COVID-19 can be characterized as a pandemic. Our goal is to protect the lives and livelihoods of Australians. We have breaking news on a corona scare. The panic buying, self-isolating on a statewide level. Stop it. It's Wednesday, 15th of April. This is Coronavirus Watch. Natalie Bonjolo and Ben O'Shea joining you for the latest on COVID-19 right here at home. And Ben, another day of single-digit cases. Yes, up a little bit from the astonishing uh, three from yesterday. We've got five new cases in WA today, of which three have come from cruise ships. One is a close contact of uh, someone who was formally diagnosed with COVID-19, and there's one still under investigation. Uh, that means the current total of confirmed cases in Western Australia to date are 532. But the big number that is worth mentioning today is uh, in the last 24 hours, we can say that in total there have been 338 people who have recovered from the coronavirus, which is really astonishing. It's a bit, had a huge jump. There are just 11 people in the ICU, only 33 in hospital in total. So it's great to see so many people uh, getting past this virus and getting, uh, getting out of hospitals. That is just such great news and I think such a relief to people to know that they are coming out of hospital after contracting this virus. What's the figures doing nationally? Nationally, it was another good day. Uh, 50 new cases, but that positive news was tempered, unfortunately, by the death of a woman in her 60s in the ACT. That's the third death in the ACT from coronavirus and we hate every single one uh, of those deaths that have been added to the Australian total. Uh, The total number of cases are now in Australia are 6,445 and looking more deeply at what some of those cases uh, have turned into, 77 Australians are currently in ICUs around the country and uh, 43 people are currently on ventilators. So we uh, certainly keep our fingers crossed for all of those people. Yeah, devastating for those people and for their families. But we have to, you know, thank our lucky stars that we don't have the situation we're seeing around the world because I absolutely hate asking you these figures because each day they're just more terrifying. Yeah, it's creeping ever closer to the 2 million mark. It's now uh, 1,986,986 cases of coronavirus around the world, a a staggering 609,516 in the US alone. Uh, And the total number of deaths we've seen worldwide are 126,812. So they really are terrifying numbers and a reminder of just how badly things can go if you don't take tough action. You just wonder when they're going to get on top of this in some of those countries. Uh, back home, the, really the big news in WA today was the first man jailed in Australia for breaching quarantine. Now, this is Jonathan David that we heard a lot about last week. Yeah, yeah, we heard a lot about him uh, and the magistrates certainly didn't have much time for his behaviour, describing it as breathtakingly arrogant, just to catch people up. He was staying at the Travelodge Hotel in Perth. Uh, He was meant to be there for 14-day isolation after returning from Victoria on March 27. He'd initially been given permission to uh, see out his mandatory quarantine period at his girlfriend's house, but after they had a fallout uh, two days into the quarantine, he's checked into the hotel 
but then he's repeatedly snuck out to see his girlfriend sneaking out through the emergency exit, taking public transport uh, and not knowing whether or not he had COVID-19. And as the magistrate said, he thumbed his nose at the law and used deception to travel across the city and he chose to roll the dice with other people's lives. Disgusting behaviour. He was given a six-month and two-week jail sentence, uh, of which one month of that sentence will be spent behind bars immediately, and the rest of the sentence was suspended for 12 months, meaning uh, he can serve it out in the community, community, but uh, if he does anything wrong, if he steps out of line, uh, he's going straight back to jail. Yeah, I mean, I very much doubt there's any sympathy in the community for Jonathan, um, and he's probably feeling very hard done by, but what a ridiculous and stupid thing that he did. I can't help but think, was he confused? What what was going on there? Um, But it's definitely a lesson to anyone else who's thinking of breaching quarantine. The law is very, very serious about this. And also uh, today we had some information on those tenancy laws that we flagged yesterday. So this was fleshed out in Parliament today. Um, Now, those tenants who don't pay rent, we heard yesterday that they can't be evicted for six months. But at the same time, they can be sued and they can lose their credit rating. And tenants also, some other news for them, if they break their lease, they can break their lease at any time without incurring fees. And you're hearing lots of stories about people saying that they can no longer afford to pay their rent. They'd like to break their lease, maybe go and live back with mum and dad to help save some money. And landlords who are saying, no, sorry, that's not possible. You can't do that well, now tenants will be able to break those um, leases without fees. So I think that will be a relief to many, many tenants. Uh, Rewa, they were they were welcome to the measures, but at the same time, they also thought that it was a shame there hadn't been a rent assistance package. Yeah, I think that would be welcomed uh, because it's, you know, at the end of the day, there are people, mum and mum and dads who own properties who are negative gearing or whatever, and they're not necessarily having a vast portfolio of properties. They might just have one property and they're, they're relying on that rent to help pay off the mortgage on that place. Uh, and so if they're not getting rent, they'll be under pressure. Uh, and so an ideal situation would be some rent assistance to help that money go back to the landlords, help them pay off their debts, uh, because it doesn't just go away, unfortunately. It's interesting. Interesting. Like I think the legislation, as we spoke yesterday, uh, is is needed. Something needed to be done. But you know, the idea that uh, if the tenant uh, doesn't pay rent for six months and then you're going to sue them to recoup that money, I'm not sure how realistic that is. Because I think anybody who's had any experience dealing with small claims courts and stuff like that, it's not it's not the easiest thing. You don't necessarily embark on that course of action on a whim uh, because it's it's painful. That's that's the long and short of it. Yeah. Uh, and so. I think there'll be plenty of landlords who find uh, they have this unpaid rent at the end of six months and they might have to just waive it because the, the idea of trying to get that money back through the courts is, is more trouble than it's worth. Yeah, that's right. And as we discussed yesterday, um, and even, you know, that was confirmed by the Premier today, there really is a whole lot of goodwill going on here and uh, just they're being very hopeful that people are doing the right thing, both tenants and landlords, because what they don't want to see is they don't want to see people flouting these new laws and taking advantage of the laws to to either not pay rent. Um, And they said that they could actually look at changing that legislation on the fly if they had to, if they were getting 
anecdotal evidence that that was actually happening. So that was good to hear. Um, also some good news for WA, our economy, of course, we have iron ore. And this is a great thing for us to be able to fall back on should we fall into not just recession, but world depression. Yeah, well, experts around the world in the last couple of days have been uh, saying that uh, what will happen after the coronavirus has passed uh, will be the biggest economic shock since the Great Depression on a global scale. And we are so lucky here in Western Australia that we have iron ore as the engine room of our economy. It's really the engine room of the national economy. Uh, and their analysts are predicting that there could be an even stronger demand than usual from Chinese steel mills in the coming months as they look to rebuild their uh, their struggling economy after the pandemic. Pandemic. And uh, we've seen higher steel production uh, and limited supply disruptions in Australia and Brazil, which has kept uh, iron ore imports at elevated levels throughout this pandemic. But that doesn't necessarily mean uh, the 10-year forecasts uh, are booming, like the, the year-in forecasts are booming. So iron ore, they suspect, might drop 10% down from uh, US 75 a tonne to uh, US $68 a tonne. Currently, it's around $84 a tonne. So hopefully it can maintain that because it's going to be so important for WA to bounce back from the economic impacts of uh, the coronavirus if our resource sector is performing strongly. Absolutely, and I guess that's why they're trying so hard to keep to keep things moving as as they always have been, and keep the FIFO uh, whole process going. Um, I guess one of the most pressing questions for families is schools. When will schools reopen? And the premier spoke about that today, and and basically said that you know educating kids from home for the rest of the year would mean them losing really a year of education, and nobody wants to see that happen. Of course, face to face learning is the best option. However, he uh, wouldn't preempt when asked the questions, uh, he wouldn't preempt whether, uh, when schools will open and will really take the advice out of National Cabinet. So that's really based on the, the medical advice as to whether kids will or won't go back to school. So really they are listening to the Prime Minister about that and he had to be a bit to say about it as well. Our nation is very grateful for the work that you're doing as our teachers and we need you more than ever. So thank you for everything you're doing. We will lose many things in the course of fighting this virus. One thing that I know teachers are united on with their parents is we do not want one of those things to be the loss of a child's education, giving up a whole year of their learning. So let's keep working together to ensure that we can be there for our kids, to keep them healthy, to keep them safe, but to keep them learning. Thank you very much. Yeah, it was very interesting listening to ScoMo today, speaking down the barrel of the camera at times directly to teachers. Uh, but it's been interpreted almost as a bit of a guilt trip from the Prime Minister directed at the uh, state premiers because they haven't always seen eye to eye on the issue of keeping the schools open. And so I thought it was interesting today to hear um, Mark McGowan say that he'll wait and see what comes out of the National Cabinet because in the past at those National Cabinet meetings around the coronavirus pandemic, uh, the, the position from the from the federal government has been clear. They think the schools should stay open. And obviously that's that's good for the economy because people won't have to be at home looking after their kids. They can send them to school. Um, but we've seen the state premiers decide to uh, 
recommend parents keep their kids out of school. Uh, and so there has been that disconnect from a state and federal level. But I think with the really positive numbers that we're seeing in Western Australia and the, the, the great result we're getting at flattening the curve, we might see Mark McGowan uh, start to agree with ScoMo that maybe schools can reopen sooner rather than later. I think it'll be fascinating to see what comes out of National Cabinet and to see uh, what Mark McGowan does with that information. Yeah, and parents, of course, are, are waiting on that information because two weeks of school holidays, um, stuck at home with the kids in isolation and looking down the barrel of, you know, a term is very difficult for some families. But I guess, you know, one thing we know for certain is that no one would want to ease the restrictions if that was going to change our curve here in WA. Um, moving to international and to United States, President Trump Again, he's done it again. He's announced today that he is going to cut funding to the World Health Organization because uh, of their handling of the coronavirus pandemic. Now, this has got to be the pot calling the kettle black, right? Yeah, well, it's another uh, bizarre press conference from Donald Trump, and and that's saying something because we've really seen it all from him. Uh, but you now he he's of the belief that the World Health Organization is China-centric. Uh, and today, as he was talking, he said, you know, it was it would have been so easy for the World Health Organization to tell the truth uh, and that because of the mistakes that they have made, it directly led to uh, uh, unnecessary deaths around the world. It was really quite incredible uh, and then announced that he was going to cut the funding uh, from America to the World Health Organization, which he's been threatening for a couple of days now. Uh, and it, it's amazing. And if you compare some of the things that he was saying about China and the World Health Organization and contrast them with his own tweets and comments from back in January, where he was praising China for their handling of uh, the coronavirus epidemic, it's Look, we know by now that uh, from one day to the next, things that come out of Donald Trump's mouth can be very different, and uh, he'll he'll tell you that both are true, even though they might be in complete contrast. Uh, we live in this post-truth world, uh, though certainly everybody at the White House lives in that world, uh, and this was another great example of it. But while this is all, while this circus is continuing, you see these these U.S. coronavirus numbers are just shocking. You know, look, we talked about more than six hundred thousand cases, uh, now more than twenty eight thousand deaths. They set a record that nobody really wants yesterday uh, when they announced that uh, 2,228 people had died in a single day. Some of that was due to uh, the New York area uh, estimating the number of people who had died that hadn't uh, presented at hospital. Uh, and so that kind of shot up the numbers quite considerably. But uh, clearly the situation in New York is is very grim and uh, the governor, Andrew Cuomo, uh, is, is not happy with Trump's rhetoric. Uh, he thinks that uh, the president is clearly spoiling for a fight. That's, that was mm -hmm. the words of the New York governor. Uh, and even though he admitted he didn't want a partisan battle, uh, he said that uh, we don't have a king in this country, we have a constitution and we elect the president. So the battle lines have definitely been drawn between Washington and New York. And you just have to wonder, you know, is this a political statement? Is this an economic decision? It just seems a crazy, crazy thing to do at this point in time. And another thing that seems a little bit crazy in the United States is while all these professional sports around the world, including here in Australia, have, are being chopped and, and put on the back burner until they can come back, you've got the, the WWE somehow is getting around this. 
Yeah, well, you of course you have to remember that Florida uh, is uh, it's the home of the WWE and it's also the home of Trump's home away from home there at Mar-a-Lago. And uh, so, is it is it a great surprise that of all the places <laughs> in America uh, to uh, to de- declare that the WWE is an essential activity? It is Florida, so it paves the way for the WWE to now stage bouts in in Florida. They'll have to do it in front of empty stadiums because of the uh, mass gathering uh, restrictions, but considering the NBA is uh, currently closed, the NFL is looking like it might have a delayed start to the season. Uh, All of these professional sports have been stopped, but the WWE, which isn't actually a real sport, it's all make-believe, has been declared essential. Extraordinary. Uh, In Japan, they're now also having terrible, terrible trouble with coronavirus patients being moved uh, to more hospitals and even into hotels because their infections uh, have surged and their curve is now not looking good either. Yeah, well, we hinted at this uh, at an episode of Coronavirus Watch a couple of days ago. And yeah, so now the medical experts in Japan are are really very worried that the healthcare system is on the brink of collapse. Uh, Tokyo has about a quarter of Japan's total cases. They had 457 new cases in the last 24 hours. So they're seeing a huge spike at the moment. Currently, the country has uh, 8,800 cases and, and has had 231 deaths. It's that second number that they'll be watching very closely in Japan because they have the world's oldest nation. And as we know, uh, the elderly mm. are particularly vulnerable uh, to COVID-19. And so there are, there are concerns uh, within Japan and certainly without uh, outside of Japan that the, the government there has been too late with the action that they've taken. And uh, when they have taken action, it hasn't been strong enough for a country that was exposed to this virus uh, earlier than pretty much everywhere else in the world, being right on China's doorstep. They had an opportunity to uh, stamp it out and to take really, really tough measures. They didn't do that, and now everybody's worried that they're going to pay the price. Yeah, fingers crossed they can somehow put a cap on it and and put a lid on it before it really takes hold. Now, something that really made me smile today is pet experts are telling us we need to look out for pet obesity and isolation. So I'm just thinking, is this because the the pets are at home with us and, and people are feeding them much more treats than they normally would be? Yeah, well, that's exactly it. You know, people are sitting around on their couches and they're probably treating themselves a bit more than usual. So uh, there's probably a number of house pets who are getting uh, extra treats when their owners would normally be at work. And it's it's going to be a real problem. Uh, pet expert Karen Justice says that uh, it's great that we're spending more time with our pets. That'll be good for their, their psychology. They'll be so happy to have their owners around a little bit more. But... Uh, there is a limit. You're like, don't don't love your pets too much when it comes to the treats. Otherwise, uh, you know, you might be taking to them taking them to the vet. <laughs> well, I tell you, a pet that will not be getting a treat, and that is my dog Lally, who managed to escape through the gate today while no one was looking and didn't have her collar on. So I actually spent four hours chasing her around the suburbs, knocking on doors, and luckily she turned up. Someone dropped her at the um, vet. So thank you to the good Samaritan who who brought our. our dog back to us, our beloved family member back to us, but she is in the dog house as a, as a result of this. <laughs> and, and that, uh, that's, of we... course, why you're, uh, why you're at home today on the phone and not in the studio. But on the plus side, though, Nat, uh, at least your pet will have uh, worked off some of those extra treats that you've been feeding her. 
That's right, exactly. Well, I, I'm glad she's back, but no extra treats for her. Um, now, this is a really a really interesting thing that's going to happen here in Perth, and this is a clap for the Premier, Mark McGowan, because we've been hearing how West Australians are so very happy with his performance and the way that he's dealing with this COVID crisis. Um, you know, we, we saw some figures in the West Australian today that were showing a poll that showed, you know, he has... 90% support of people, um, incredible, incredible th uh, figures that, you know, you would never ordinarily see. So now there's this interesting Facebook event being arranged. Yeah, well, we saw in the UK there was the clap for the NHS. Boris Johnson took part in it before he went into hospital where they stood out in their front yards and all clapped at the same time around England for the NHS. They're going to be doing the same thing for Mark McGowan. Well, at least uh, the creators of a Facebook event hope Western Australians will be doing that. At 7pm tomorrow, they want people to go out to their front gate and uh, give the Premier a round of applause to thank him for everything he's done during this uh, career coronavirus crisis. And you know what? I think he deserves it. And there are 2,000 people uh, who've uh, who've confirmed that they're going to take part, uh, which is amazing. I, I can't wait to see it. Uh, will you be doing it, Nat? I think I might step outside on the front, front porch and give a clap. Yeah, I think so. I think he deserves a clap. <laughs> uh, and I can't wait to see the, uh, the, the video and the uh, audio of all the people doing it. <laughs> That's right. We'll be looking forward to that. So that is it from us for today. Thanks for your company and we will be back tomorrow for Coronavirus Watch.